0: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast: Everything Center Fire and Rim Fire. Um, Dave is with me again. How you doing, Dave?
1: I am doing okay. Um, I haven't had uh, much sleep in the last few days, keeping up some stuff online. But we'll get to that towards the end of the podcast. So it's been a little. It's been busy.
0: All right. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, good to have you back. I know that y'all been y'all been busy at work, and the weather hasn't really been.
1: The weather's terrible. uh,
0: yeah, it's, it 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 does, but at least we're not shoveling snow, I guess.
1: Oh no, that guy uh, Troy from last week—he was sending us those screenshots of his uh, his dash saying it was like negative thirteen on the way to a match. Uh, yep, I'm out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm out too. I, I wouldn't have gone to that one—that's no. for sure. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, um, just to get into this, we had a uh, we had, we had talked uh, several podcasts back. We had some things going on. We had a, um, a missing podcast too that we didn't that we didn't publish, but. Uh, we had talked about talking about max point blank range
1: Uh, and,
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, it's a, it's a tool, um, that you can utilize whenever, you know, you don't really feel like messing with your, you know, with your knobs too much. Mm -hmm. And basically what it means is I can go into any ballistics program and I can put in, I can put in the size of the vitals. And so like, if I put a 10 inch vitals, then it will tell me, like if I've got a 100 yard zero, it will tell me how far I can shoot and still hit inside that 10 inch area. Does that make sense to you?
1: Oh yeah, it absolutely makes sense to me.
0: Okay, yeah, and it's uh, like I'll I'll pull up one now. But you know, you can mess with those things and you can start messing with your zero range and stuff like that. And what it'll do is it it will tell you you can change the vital size too. You know, basically where it comes down to is um, we, we've done this many times in the past to where we'll go in and we will take a, a group of shooters and maybe they're going to be, um, uh, visiting other places. And so they know that whenever they get to other places, they may not have a chance or even a range to go out and, and, um, actually zero their guns to make sure they made the transport and everything well. And so we'll get these really good hundred meter zeros and then we'll go up to 25 meters uh-huh. And we will actually shoot the weapon, you know, do it, do another group at 25 meters. And then they can take that paper and, and measure, you know, how far from their point of their, uh, their uh-huh. point of aim to where they're impacting, you know, how much it is low because we're dealing with a mechanical offset thing. And they can actually take that paper. We typically do it on cardstock so it can be stuck into the, into the gun case. And so if they do get to where they're going and they want to just check and make sure you know, they can recreate that on a 25 meter range. And this is, this has been done for ages. That's just math. And what yeah. that does, you know, so what that's doing is basically saying, if I'm hitting here at 25 meters, that means I have a really good solid 100 meter zero. And then of course they're dialing or holding for the rest of that. Now, whenever it comes back to kind of the same thing with, um, you know, with a carbine on irons, or if you're going to use, you know, uh, you know, a dot site, you know, you can go in and you can get a, a 25 meter, zero, pretty much, you know, holding dead on and going point of aim, point of impact. And I forget what it is. It goes out to 320 or something like that. You probably remember better than I do, but it goes out to 320 or something like Mm -hmm. that to where, um, you know, by the first, the first crossing of the bullet and then the second crossing of the bullet, and then you're still able to hit, you know, a a certain, a certain zone just by holding center mass. And so that's basically, you know, yeah, that's basically what the max point blank was. I, I use that like, um, like we were talking when I was hunting the other day you know, that one where I had gone out to where it wasn't a hunt. It was just like, a, a, you know, an opportunity that presented itself to really fill up the freezer with some tasty meat. You know, I, you know, I, I just, you know, shot that whenever I went the next time and I was actually on a hunt, I actually dialed up to my 200 yard zero because I figured that, you know, if I've got, if I've got an animal that size and I've got a 200 yard zero on it and the animal is at 80 yards, I'm not going to worry about it. You see what I mean? I'm still going to hold where I want the bullet to go because of the flight of it. And if it turns out that the animal is out like at 320 yards, I'm still not going to worry about it, you know, because I've got, you know, the, I'm going to be able to hit that vital zone. And so it's um, it, it just it's just a way to move quick. Now, there's another one that we use out here at um, at Rifles Only. And I know that this is this is used extensively throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what you're doing is you're going and you're putting a your 400 yard zero on your gun. How do you do that? You dial your 400 yard dope. Yep. And so the, the drill is called moving chaos. So you have a mover there and then there's two targets that are closer, one at 200 and change and one at 300 and change and then another one out at 545. And so what you'll do is you'll use hold unders and hold overs to tackle the static targets, but your, your main target is that moving target. Uh-huh. Now it makes it a little bit easier, especially with some of the, some of the holdover reticles that, that are out there now. Because you know if you're if you're shooting a 308 at that range you're talking about the two mil range oh, yeah. and so if you're if you're trying to hold over you know down in the Christmas tree sometimes it can get a little bit yeah you know it's not it's not exactly um, as precise as if you're holding you know on your center line uh-huh. so you just dial that up and then you know hold under for the 200 and the 300 and then over for the 545. Now the way we do it here is we use these little bitty small targets so you have to use these holdovers but the reality is, is if you were using, you know, full-size IPSC targets, you could pretty well hold center on all of them and still hit the target somewhere. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh,
1: uh, yes, sir. absolutely.
0: Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where, you know, I wanted to kind of bring that up and it, you know, it's, I know it's, it's used in, you know, um, all different types of hunting and, and, uh, and, and you you get my drift. Yeah so. And, yeah,
1: so what I see a lot online and there's always a, it always turns into, it's like everything on, on a forum. It's always an argument, right? Um, yeah. It's just how it goes. So, I see a lot of guys talking about oh, well, I, I zero my rifle at 300, 200, 100, whatever. Uh, the way I this is where this max point blank will aid you in all of that. And and you can just just zero your rifle at 100 yards. We just tell everybody there's several reasons why we do that. That's another topic. But if you zero at 100 yards, guys, and then like Jacob just says, you want to quote unquote zero at 200 or 300, well, now you just dial that dope in. It's the rifle yep. is now zeroed at that thing. No. And, and you didn't have to worry about, you know, let's say you wanted to quote unquote zero at 500. Well, in my opinion, that's not a zero. If you did it there, that's just a zero for the, the conditions that day. But if you do 100 yards and then you dial in your 500 yard dope, it is now zeroed every day of the week at 500 based on your dope. So, yeah, the same thing. If we uh, like he said, you take the size of the vitals and then you just have to play with it in a calculator and see. And you also want to mess around with how far you think you may shoot. So, and then that's another thing with like a range card. So what happens, for example, what I do, whether it's a two-legged or four-legged or whatever you do, I, I set up and it's, it's, let's use a hunting blind. I get my hunting blind and I say, okay, uh, out past five or 600 yards. I think I'm going to have time. It's not going to probably be running or present itself. So that's, that's my time and opportunity. However, inside of this 300 or 400, I may not have as much time. So I would mm-hmm. go in, I would say, uh, I mean, you probably know off the top. What's the, what's the vital of a, of a whitetail? I mean, uh, probably about eight inches, eight please. inches. So we would go in there and we would just, we would check with a zero. So you would, you, you want it in the center of that eight inches and you would just put in different zero ranges, uh, 100, 200, 175, whatever, or what you would actually, you know, check out your chart. You can set up these drop charts to tell you. And what you want is somewhere in the middle where the close, uh, the close targets it's four inches high and the further targets it's four inches low. Well, would you agree? Yep. 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 So you would do that, that whatever that number is, uh, the, say it comes out to 175 yards. That is what you dial into your optic. I dial 175 yard dope. I lock my turret or leave it alone for the day. And I know, and let's say there was a, a tree and I know that tree is at 300 yards and then all the way in. So all I have to do, is from here to 300 yards, is either hold center and pull, or if I can I can always say, hey, it looks uh, closer, I'll just favor this way, or it looks further, I'll favor that way, just to kind of get a little bit more centered up. But the point is, you never have to touch your turrets. Then what you do, at least in what I do in uh, these situations, uh, working or playing, whichever, um, is now I look at past that 300. Now I sketch out, I take my my laser. Uh, Now, if you got a if you got a raptor with some ballistics or something that that helps too uh, on the time but if not and even if I am running a Raptor or something like that, I still do a paper uh, range card and I will I will sketch out stuff. I will say, here, this this tree is at this uh, uh, and my dope for that is this. This is at that. And I'll make an entire range card based on a little sketch or something. And if it's just be myself, I have it there. Or even if I'm the spotter or I have a spotter, we both have all that information to where the communication, if, it, if it's needed, it's there. And if for whatever reason, it's not. Because sometimes even in a hunting situation, you most, you both might end up on a, on a gun and you definitely might end up there if you're, you know, in a, in a work situation. So that's what I do. I, I pick out a max point blank for, you know, my, what I consider my danger space and whether it's an animal or not. And then, and then my time and opportunity, that's when I make a dope card uh, for further out. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And that, that's one of the things too. I, it caused me to walk over here to the, the pro shop. I made a, um, I made up a, a card, uh, several years ago that, you know, has this, um, you know, just how you can do this. It's got mm-hmm. your, your lines on it. You know, it's real, real simple and it's got a lot of information on there to where, you know, you can, you can go in and put your dope for these different ranges and you get the, you know, you can designate your target, but you can also designate landmarks mm-hmm. you know on how far they are. And, um, you know, you can you know kind of put in there like, you know, favor high, favor mm-hmm. low, you know, whenever you're going through there to where you don't have to do that. And then all the, all it's designed to fit into one of our, you know, one of our slap cards. You know, uh, that just slaps slap onto your cool. wrist. Yeah, slap ones are pretty cool. But we carry other ones too, and there's a lot of other onboards boards that are out there. But at any rate, having that information just right there, to where you can look at it, and what happens, you know, after having using them for a while, uh-huh. after what happens, and you're you know, you're learning your gun and you're learning your caliber, you really don't need that anymore. You know, it gets no, to the I point agree. where okay, yeah, okay, I know, I know, this is that, and this is that. And here's what I'm going to hold for here. And here's what I'm going to hold for here. And, you know, like the blind hunting, we do a lot of that in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if I'm sitting at a blind and I'm, I'm, I'm decked out, man, I got a rifle, I got a spotting scope, I got a rangefinder, And it's basically, you know, the spotter, you know, rather than a pair of binoculars, it's like we, we really try to see, you know, the age of the deer, you know, what mm-hmm. the horns look like, because, you know, a lot of times you'll, you know, what you see through a binocular just doesn't give you, you know, the detail. And the reason you're doing that is just to make sure that, you know, you're not getting a deer that's, you know, not in its prime yet. You know, you want to make sure that he's he's just past his prime, you know, to where, he's, you know, he's going to be going down the next year. In other yeah, words, that's, that, Texas that, is that,
1: big that's, hunting business, guys, just so you know, it, it matters a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it matters a lot. It's not like you see a buck and if it's got horns, you shoot it. Oh, which does remind me, mm-hmm. um, I had a strange thing happen the other day. What's you up? know about the pig problem we've been having out here. Yeah. Okay. So I set up a trap to catch pigs and we've been catching pigs and you know, they've been, they've been going, you know, people have been eating them like crazy. Oh, us yeah. too. I love it's, it. uh, it's Texas bacon walks up into your yard. It's <laughs> awesome. But, uh, it was funny cause I was checking the trap with a pair of binoculars the other day and I said, Holy smokes, there was a little buck that was in there.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. A little, little buck deer got in there. So I went over there and I was going to let him out. Cause I mean, this guy's, this guy's maybe two years old. You know, he's mm. pretty small. He's got a small rack and his, his rack is a little deformed, but you know, I don't know what's going on with that. But whenever you go up to the pig trap, you know, to, to get pigs, you know, they get a little bit excited, you know, and they'll, they'll like run into the walls, you know, trying to get away, oh, yeah, man. I tell you when it was relative to how hard this deer was hitting the walls relative to the pigs, man, I would not want that deer to drop his head and oh, push man. those horns into me because I guarantee you he would knock me back. Uh, I mean, this guy was, I mean, he was hitting it hard. And so I positioned myself because it was one of those things to where, you know, this is, this is a wild animal, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to let him go, but he doesn't know that, you know, he's he's fighting for his life. Yeah. And so man, I I sat there and I thought about How am I going to get that door open and get out of the way? Because I don't want this guy to just get scared and start running in that direction and in my direction, because if he did and I'm in his way, he would really knock me over like a bowling pin or, or even worse, you know, fly through the air. This guy was upset. So at any rate, let him out. And uh, he, he ran off into the brush and we've seen him a couple times around here. So he, he lives in the area, but he, he needs another he needs another three or four years before he's yeah. before he's eligible.
1: Uh, yeah, talking about story. I know we're getting off on a tangent here. So uh, talking about how hard they, they can hit. So uh, I'm pretty sure most people have kind of uh, inferred what I do for a living. Uh, it involves, you know, chasing some people around. Uh, we were. It was years ago. We have a, a, a an agent. He was a watch commander. He's probably six foot five, six, seven. Every bit of three fifty. I mean, he's a, he's a linebacker. I mean, he he played college football and all that stuff. Uh, he yep. was walking down a road and uh, you know, people were running and and spooked some animals and he actually got he got he not in a car or anything. He got run over by a deer, and it yeah. it sent him. He's that big. I mean, he flew off of the ground, cracked a few ribs. I mean, it's not fun.
0: Man, I tell you, and these you know these, these South Texas whitetail, you know, I mean, a huge one will weigh 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, a massive one will weigh 140. They're not big deer, no. But but man, I can't imagine some of those ones that are up in the country. You know, you get a 300 pound whitetail, and that one hits you, It'll kill you.
1: No, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. I, that was me and my me and my wife used to raise ostriches, and that's why we got out of it because Ooh, I, blind, had yeah, I had a six month old. Yeah, well, I had a six month old ostrich knock me completely out, stone cold out. And it was, it didn't, it didn't intend to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the animal six feet tall, he just got scared in the in the crew and he took off running and you know, his eyes are above me. You oh, know, yeah, he's he looking where him. he's going. And so he didn't see me, but he hit me and it knocked me right out. And that was, you know, that's a six month old bird, you know, probably weighs, you know, 80 pounds, you know, they're tall and they're lanky, you know, they, they fill out as they get older, but Holy smokes, man! Those things are dinosaurs. I got knocked out by a freaking big chicken, man. Yeah, Yeah, no,
1: no. No, they're. I'm convinced they're they're dinosaurs. They're still around. Oh yeah,
0: they're weird, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, we really got off topic, didn't we? Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Let's keep going. Who cares? (laughs)
0: Well, cool deal, man. Yeah. I'm really, I'm a big fan of that, of that, uh, of using that max point. range. But, you know, obviously, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be, you know, very effective, you know, during a competition when you're using small targets, you know, that are two minute targets or, you know, minute and a half, or even like out here, you know, we got some targets that are minute targets. Yeah. So uh it, you just have to pick your battle and the nature of the target and where you're at and stuff like that. But if you're out, you know, if you're out in you you know very different areas that you hunt, you know, in the country, you know, and in some places, you know, I remember whenever I was in New Zealand and I got my red stag, uh-huh. um I spotted him and ranged him at 1600 yards. Ooh. And so that stock consisted of walking, running, uh ATV, uh-huh. Hilux, back on the feet to running a little bit, then on your belly crawling up. And I got within like 490 of it. And so that's where I took it. And uh, it was kind of like, well, you know, imagine if he was spotted it. so we're up on the side of a mountain and we're, you know, we're glassing, you know, we're glassing a mile. You know what I mean? We're glassing a mile. And so, which is very, very different than, you know, some of the places down here in South Texas, you know, where there's no elevation, and, you know, you're looking at a, a pasture or a field or something's that got a feeder in it and you're for the shots, 220. So, OK, max point blank range. Yeah, 220. It's going to be short. You might not have very much freedom of movement unless you're in a blind or something like that. So it might be really good to go ahead and and say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to put my 175 yard zero on here. That'll that'll get my vital size yeah. a little bit lower. And then, you know, but actually trying to trying to pull off something like that, you know, out whenever you're glassing for miles. Well, no, I mean, because you're, you know, you're not going to see an animal that close. So, you know, you could dial it. Now, if it turned out that, you know, we glassed him and I didn't glass him at 1600 or didn't range him at 1600. You know, I ranged him at, you know, 600, you know, depending on the conditions, I may have taken the shot right then, you know, but again, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, very still, you know, in the pro, you know, everything would be fine if I could get set up. But, you know, most of the time that's going to be, you know, you're going to spot and stalk, which mm-hmm. is a, another very, very valid way that people hunt, you know, throughout the world, you know, and, and, and the United States as well. You know, that, you, that's I, know the way that.
1: I grew up hunting, you know, it was di- very different in Virginia than, than, uh, than Texas.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and throughout the West too, mm-hmm. you know, mule deer, mule deer or elk, you know, even, even moose or something like that, you know, you're, you're going to be up blasting, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be doing some walking. I had a buddy that just got back from a mule deer hunt and, um, he was out, he came over and he borrowed all my two vet stuff because you know, he's a hunter. He wasn't, he wasn't familiar with that. So he got all the stuff from two vets tripod, him and his dad both did it. And they, they said, yeah, they they were spotting and stalking. And then they were able to set up, you know, with that, that two vet tripod and they both got really good shots, but there wasn't, they were 350 and one of them was 405. And so uh, uh shout out to to Mr. McNamee for that. Mm-hmm. for that, uh, and of course, immediately he came back and he ordered all kinds of crap. Oh from yeah. them. So, yeah. <laughs> So that worked out good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, cool, man. I had a question come in for you. Uh-oh. Uh, let me pull it up, and I'll just I'll just read it to you. <laughs> and I know that we were talking about this off-air, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I like this topic. I actually mean,
1: like this topic a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm lazier than you. Yeah. It says, uh, last podcast, David says he pulls his action to clean. Can you ask him why behind that, the why behind that? Also asking if he uses a torque wrench on the barrel. Um, the the why popped into my head. I'm assuming that I'm not alone. This, I know the the gentleman who did this very, very, very good friend of mine, very valid question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, again, I appreciate all the people that, that send in send in questions and comments and things like that. But a uh, lot of respect for this gentleman, and I'm just going to let you answer his question.
1: Uh, cool. First thing I'm going to ask, because I, I, I never know who writes these in, so I'm not going to ask who, but uh, because by, I will phrase some stuff at the end. We'll, Does he, is he a competition shooter, a hunter? Does he work behind a rifle or all of the above? All of the above. All right. So uh, the main thing, I'm I'm also going to caveat this uh, because this, these conversations get that way. This is how I do it. (laughs) I'm not saying that you have to do it this way. I'm not saying that I am right and you're wrong. This is just what I do. So that being Mm -hmm. said, here we go. Okay. I'm lazy. Uh, I don't like, uh, I mean, when I say lazy, I, it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm lazy in a way like I work out, I'll, I'll get out and jump a gate and walk five miles instead of opening the gate and driving in. So I'm also yep. stupid <laughs> and lazy. So I don't, I don't like to mess around. I have all the tools I need to do everything I want. Um, I don't, uh, I, you got to put a bore guide in there. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to mess around, get your hands in certain things. I know it's not that hard, but so what I do just for the sake of being easy plus i just clean everything so if i'm going to clean it i I wipe the optic down stuff like that i clean the inside of the action uh so what i will do is i will just disassemble my rifle i'll take it out of the chassis i'll take the optic stays in the rings i never remove the optic from the rings uh that gets set off to the side i usually leave the trigger in and i will put it in a barrel vise and i to answer his question about the the torque wrench i use a torque wrench on the action. I have an action wrench from short action customs with it has like these uh, interchangeable heads. So you buy one piece of steel rod or wrench, and then you order a head that fits into certain actions and it's modular. It's pretty cool. So mm-hmm. I take it off with that action wrench and I also put it back on with that action wrench. So I, I take it off. And then what I do is I take uh, you know, the little foamy earplugs that cost two cents everywhere. Yep. I twist those up. Well, I take the, the break off too. I take the brake off. I twist it up. I toss it in there and plug it. I put my, uh, and I, I, sometimes I'm doing multiple barrels this way and I'll put it in a vise or something and I'll just hang it. And then I take my Bortec or, uh, let me caveat or whatever other solution you feel you want to use. I'm not going to get into like CLR versus, you know, stainless steel and that, that can of worms, whatever you decide to use. I'm uh, for the, for this conversation, we're talking Bortec, which should be pretty good for your barrel and nothing that can hurt it because it's Bortec and it's specifically made for, for this stuff. I fill it with the, uh, uh, carbon cleaner. And I just, I, I go back to doing other stuff. Either I'm, I, maybe I'm cleaning the action. Maybe I'm doing whatever, checking on things, uh, loading ammo, watching TV. It doesn't matter. And then I come back uh, however long later, a few minutes, a few hours, whatever. Uh, I drain it. I just have a bucket under it. I drain it. I run a few patches through there. Um, I might, this is where I'm going to get hammered really, really, really bad. I take a nylon brush, uh, not a bronze bronze is okay, but it flakes off and all. i take a nylon brush on the end of a cleaning rod. I've cut the handle off. It's a coated rod and I'm very careful. I'm not just letting it eat. And I put it in a drill and I just keep it on low power and I just run it back and forth. Like I would a a brush with my hand. And instead of having to push it out however many times I take 20 seconds back and forth and I'm just letting the drill do the work uh and by the way i've inspected it with bore scopes uh people i know lou merdeka and all that's a big time bench rest world champion all kind of crazy stuff he's done it this way he sent barrels off back to the manufacturers and there's no damage inside yes you may damage the crown but that's with anything if you're not careful with your cleaning stuff and you ding up a crown that that but that's not a cleaning problem that's a misuse of tool problem and uh and then i don't have to use a bore guide in there i don't have to put that in there i don't have to try to do that it just makes it easier for me to get to it myself. And then uh, after I do the carbon, if I'm going to do the copper, I, ru- I run patches again. Uh, I might run a little bit of alcohol if, just to, you know, run through there and neutralize anything. It's bore tech. So it probably shouldn't need to be neutralized. I plug it again. I take their copper cleaner. I fill it back up and, and it doesn't take much guys. The, 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 bore, you know, is, is very, uh, very small diameter. So you would be surprised how little of this chemical it takes to fill it up. I get those little beaker, like look, you know, those little squirt bottles, you know, have like that really small uh it's like shaped in an l and it's just a real you know it's a squeeze bottle and i use that to fill yep. it up now after i do that i drain it i hit it with the, the brush and patch it out and uh, i i do use a bore scope not for i don't go crazy or anything i just have it i'll just look and make sure it's i got any carbon mm-hmm. ring because these six millimeters and not necessarily your, your 308s and your, all the other stuff but the dreaded carbon ring so i just i The only thing I care about, I know the rest of the barrel is probably clean enough. I just check and make sure that I don't have any carbon buildup that's going to cost me. You know, I'm going to like next week, I'm going to an AG cup match here. It's got 200 shooters, uh, costs a lot of money. The last thing I want is a carbon ring to, to, to start pressuring out my stuff. So I check it with a bore scope and now I put it back on the same way. I barrel vice, I use 75 inch, I mean, foot pounds. You can use whatever you want. 75 is easy for me. It's easy to do. It's easy to take off. That's the biggest thing. I also put a little bit of never sees, just a little bit because, you know, I'm sure you've messed with never sees. Once you get a little bit on you, it's over. It's everywhere.
0: Yeah, so it's like glitter.
1: Yeah, it's just everywhere. So I put a, just enough on there, and then I torque it back on. I put it back in the, bolt everything down, put the brake back on. What this also serves, it's an indirect, it's not the reason I do it, but a secondary how many times have you heard guys? Uh, I mean, you, you do classes all the time. How often is something loose on a rifle in your class?
0: Uh, about every third class.
1: Yeah. So a lot, right? I
0: see it all a the lot. time.
1: It's all the yeah, time. A lot. So what this does is now I have to put everything back together and torque it. Now, if I didn't clean or any of that, what I will do is I will each individual screw. I don't take everything apart. I'll just say it's my scope ring or, or the action screw. I take my fix sticks, by the way, go to rifles only buy fix sticks. They're awesome. um, I back it off just a little bit and I retorque it. Uh, same thing when I go to the range. So what'll happen is my cleaning, I guess we're gonna go off into a rant here since we're talking about cleaning. So my cleaning schedule is typically every 300 rounds or so uh, like in between matches. Uh, so what I'll do is I've cleaned it. I'll put it, everything get back together by hand. And then at the range, when I go to zero or dope or whatever, I pull out my fixing sticks and I torque everything down. So what's happened is every single time that I go to the range or go to a batch or all that, I have a fresh torque. Now you don't. What you don't want to do is you don't want to just put it in there and just try to turn it more with torque. You actually want to loosen them off. There's different reasons for that. Loosen just a little bit, retorque. So now, uh, it, my philosophy on both of those. Uh, people talk about cleaning. Oh, I'll wait till the accuracy falls off. Well, that's valid. Like you would point it out on another podcast. If you have a 308, you learn because that barrel is going to last 10,000 rounds, 5,000. You can learn when it likes "quote unquote" to be cleaned. And you do mm-hmm. that, and it's a very valid approach. A 6 millimeter that you may burn out, like a 6 Creed, I've seen burn out anywhere from 900 to 1,500 rounds sometimes as far as velocity drops. By the time you figure out what your rifle like or your barrel likes, it's time to get another one And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes. So what I do is, this is my philosophy, guys, if I, if I always have my barrel clean within reason, uh, I don't have to wait for accuracy to fall off because it never falls off. So, and I, and if, and if you're just a plinker or stuff like that or, or whatever, that's not a big deal, but let's, uh, if you're paying a a, a thousand or $2,000 for travel and all to go to a match or you're paying big money to hunt, the last thing you want is a cleaning, you know, a carbon ring or something to ruin your day or ruin your hunt, or you miss an animal or, uh, because you had a loose, uh, action screw or something. So I didn't used to do any of this stuff. I used to be the same opinion, not, I mean, a clean, but I would, wouldn't clean a lot. I wouldn't met, take the rifle part. I wouldn't do that. But ever since I've done this, I, cause I've, I've run into problems like everybody else. Now I never run into those problems and it sounds like a lot of work. It's not, I, it's just a couple minutes. The it takes me five minutes to take it apart, 10 minutes, two hours, whatever to soak. And then literally five to 10 minutes, if that, um, with the, with the cleaning rods. And, uh, that's what I do. That's why I do it. Um you don't have to do it that way, but that is my logic. If if uh that's what I got. So whatever whatever comments are uh if you if uh you could rip me apart now, Jacob. What do you got?
0: <laughs> well, I'm not going to rip you apart. Um you know, you have you 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 know, you do you and I'll do me. Yeah. You know, it's not a it's not anything that we have to, you know, get into an argument about. I think it's I I think it's a little overkill, you I, know what yeah, I mean? Okay, and, it can uh, be. I agree. I understand. I understand, you know, why you're doing it. You know, you're, you're going to these matches and stuff like that. I, I thought, you know, I've, I've always been of the opinion. I'm not going to put any chemical in there, you know, mm-hmm. unless I have to, you know, and I'm just going to, I'm going to pull boar snakes through, but I get it. That's about ways. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I completely get it. I, I mean, it's just like the, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the barrels that, that I use, you know, um, you know, whenever I, I go through quite a few, you know, uh-huh. and, um, you know, I just, I just have the gunsmith that, you know, talk about action wrenches. I just have not put crescent wrench flats on it. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, before that, I mean, I've got a stack of barrels that have, you know, uh, pipe wrench marks on them, uh-huh. you know, because I just, you know, I, I've never those, those are really those. worried about you're, that. You
1: run those a I minute. Mean, you got the pipe wrench on Yeah, them.
0: yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll take an in-report to them, you know, they're, they're <laughs> shut out anyway. Uh, but, you know, the thing about it is, is it was kind of like whenever we start thinking about, you know, where this barrel you know, goes into the action, you know, where the barrel goes in, this doesn't have anything to do with cleaning. You you yeah. you clean the way you want to clean and the, and that's fine. This is yeah. America, by God. People died so you could do that. Yeah. Um, yeah that's cool. you know, what I've never worried about it because those it's typically you I mean, it's not just a little short thread that goes into an action. It's a pretty it's a pretty long, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta screw that barrel in for quite a while. And they're done, you know, with a coarse thread. And so my opinion is I'm not concerned if I've got 80 foot pounds or 110 foot pounds, uh-huh. because the gun's not going to know, you know what I mean? It's not going to, there's just too much beef there for it not to know. And Especially a lot of that, that type of shooting to, we
1: do, you're, it's never going to know, what, 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 you know, any of it.
0: No, it's not going to know the difference between those. Um, the other thing is it comes back from, you know, I, you know, I spent a lot of time in the oil field, you know, and so uh-huh. I, you know, pipe wrenches, putting, you know, tools together and, and lubricators and, you know, high pressure, you know, high pressure valves and I know what you can get away with and what you can't. Is it a pipe wrench or a hammer? Or is it both? uh, Both. Actually, you know, on some of our, you know, putting flanges together, it's, uh, there's actually wrenches for that, that you actually beat Mm -hmm. with a hammer. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those things, they'll actually, they'll typically, you know, talking oil oilfield, they'll have like a stainless steel ring. That's Mm -hmm. a one-time ring. It's a one-time use. And uh, it's like, you know, if all of them are all of them going around and it could be up to 12 bolts, you know, that are putting these two high pressure systems together or even more in some cases, you know, it just, it doesn't know, you know what I mean? It, it really doesn't know as long as you're, you know, you beat the hell out of it. You know, it's not going it, to, it's not going to know because the ring is what's taking all the pressure. I know that, I know that we don't have that with the, with the guns or anything else, but it taught me a lot about, you know, whenever you're putting you got a really good shoulder on the barrel where it makes up to the action. I mean, it, you're, you, you really don't have the capability unless, you know, you put a 36 inch pipe wrench with a four inch cheetah on top of that, you know, to where you can start, you know, really putting, you know, the, you know, up in the 800, 900. Yeah. A huge mechanical advantage, but you know, for the normal stuff, it doesn't matter. And, you know, it's also now, you know, with the AX series and the ATX that I just got now, you know, you have a, you have a little screw off to the side. That's just a locking screw. You loosen that and the barrels only put in, you know, hand tight, you know, um, I've had, I you know, that if you, if you go and,
1: that is such nice oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: It it's put in hand tight, but then if you go back to the bench resters, I mean, they their barrels are, time. they're hand tight, you know, they're just the hand time. tight, you know, and so, and so I'm not really, you know, I know that a lot of people freak out, of it. that doesn't have nothing to do with cleaning, obviously, but, you know, um, if that's, if that's the way you feel like you want to do it, I mean, that's, that's fine with yeah, me. I, I mean, it's I'm uh,
1: probably going overboard with, you know, uh, Hawkins, you know, Hawkins. Um, yep. he, he has a saying, he goes, If it's worth killing, it's worth overkilling. I don't know if that's <laughs> necessarily true for everything, but I get his yeah. point, and uh, and it does. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, a, it, 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 if nothing else, uh, here's another thing like, I, I put in way more effort on my PRS ammo than what I do mm-hmm. to it. I don't need to do all that. What I have found yeah. though is it gets my mind, like, I feel like if if I just crank out on a progressive or whatever for whatever, and this is a this is a this is a not a character flaw, but this is a mental flaw. But for some reason, I don't take some of that as serious. When I hand-kissed every piece of ammo and I put all this time into it, all of a sudden, in my mind, it's a mind mm-hmm. trick, uh, every single shot just matters more. I'm not saying that's, that I'm correct. I probably should fix that issue. But for me, it helps. With the barrel, everything, uh, with the barrel stuff, I know every time I go out, the barrels, where it should be, clean-wise, I know it's not going to shoot terrible or anything. All the torque stuff's done. My ammo is perfect. I I have absolutely nothing to worry about. Nothing to second guess myself. I'm not saying everybody else should do that. That works for me. Uh, the yeah, other thing, yeah. The other thing, uh, I should have. I'm going to back up for the hunting. So, if you work behind a rifle, your life or others depend on it. That may change things, and it depends on what you have access to. You may not have access to go foul that barrel. You may not have access to go change that, to check that zero. You may not have access to that. Uh, you may not even be allowed by uh, policy or regulation to even take that gun apart. So yeah. that is something to consider. Um, I may do something different, like you were saying. I may just uh, make sure the chamber is wiped out or the inside. I may run some boar snakes and all that, and then that's it when you do the methods that i'm talking about you have to go foul the barrel and you have to make sure your zero my zero is always usually returns right back almost where it was at however mm-hmm. in a, your life or their life uh and plus policy and all that can change everything i just said so keep that in mind uh, you know uh i you, The zero being on that rifle and a working rifle is far more important. As long as it's going to shoot, it's it's clean enough to shoot, is far more important than everything I just said.
0: Yep. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. Well, I think that answered Jack uh, the the question. Uh So um, I've just uh, you know. no, it's a good question. About, I'm, I'm, I'm way lazier than that. But.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I say, I told well, you I'm a weird kind of lazy. I'll, I'll do, I do the extra work so I don't have to do the work that I don't think I want to do. So I, I, I I'm, I'm crazy. I'm on, I'm on medication. I'm, I'm straight up crazy.
0: So. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I, I, I knew that. <laughs> I think we all are to some oh, yeah. degree. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. All right well, next. cool. Well, you got some, you got Ooh. some stuff you wanted to visit about. Oh
1: God. All right, guys. Um, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard me allude to a little bit, and I'm sure some people know or may not. If you haven't been familiar, there's a company called Hoplite Arms. Uh, Jacob actually was uh, familiar. He met this individual that I'm going to talk about at one point. Uh, Hoplite was started a couple years ago um, by uh, a, a person we we thought was the name was Theus Protoff. And uh, another person, Brian Fenimore, most people didn't know Brian existed. He was more of a, you know, he funded the thing. Brian's a good guy. He's out of New York. He he works in the pharmaceutical world. One of the best guys I ever met in my life. He's awesome. We're we're real good friends. So he was the funding it. This this guy, Theus, was the face of the company. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the, you know, how the action was design, who owns what. That that's just another conversation that doesn't really matter. So we fast forward a couple years later. I I was in a research and development, like a contractor type thing, a consultant. I would do some of their R&D. RD, I would do some of their ammo give them feedback. And that's, was my involvement at the time. I did see some things that were strange with this, uh, these Protoff character, but not my company, no skin off my back, right? So, but nothing major, uh, fast forward, we go to the precision rifle expo last year in October, these rifles performed. I had loaded some ammo. The people were just shooting, uh, under an MOA un- at a thousand yards all day long. Um, Everyone. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. That's not even a testament to my ammo because I didn't think that my, I mean, that's, that's some crazy stuff going on there. So everything fell into place real well. All right. Well, and again, to keep this, this, the story short, uh, some things weren't adding up. The owner, the part owner, Brian started, uh, poking and, uh, they had, a what was going to be a falling out where Brian was going to take over the company and he approached me since I had been so involved about uh, taking over an ownership role, which I, you know, gladly and, and excitedly uh, took. Well, then some more things didn't make sense. So we started looking, Well, going into all the detail, we have found out that theas Protov who's very pro- prolific on the hide, and he had this, this crazy story, you know, he was born in U- Ukraine, and he got his citizenship through the, the military, and all this other stuff. It was actually some really good stories. And he was very, very good at convincing people he knew what he was talking about. At least enough to get by. He would, what he would do is he would get close enough to the sun where he may get figured out. And then he would back off or do something very, very kind of smart when you look back at it. So now we found out that he is not even, his name is not the, Protoff. Protov. Uh, he and his wife are i I'm not going to go into his real name on here because we got legal things going on. Uh, he and his wife are basically professional scammers. They've been around for 20 years in the industry. They've, they have, they have some civil judgments against them for quite a bit of money. Uh, even Frank knows him by the name. Frank had just never met this person. He met Theus Protoff in person. He'd never met the actual guy, but as soon as I told Frank the name, he he knew exactly who this guy was uh, by name. So we found that out. What happened at that point is we also found out that this individual had taken some, some pre-orders for the rifle in full that he wasn't supposed to. So it looks like he was trying to get something else. By the way, the whole two and a half years he's uh, embezzling and doing some other things, basically, uh, Robin, uh, Brian, blind, and without knowing. And, and Brian has so much going on with his pharmaceutical stuff that, and in his world, it wasn't a, a, a relatively, it wasn't a crazy amount of money until two years later when you could see, okay, this 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 total amounts getting a little out of hand for not selling anything. And uh, so, we found out that all of that was a scam. He was embezzling. There's there's all kind of the criminal stuff and, and everything is just absurd. Uh, you know, and he would just crazy stuff. He'd, uh, you know, maybe, oh, he might sign a piece of paper with his real name to someone that didn't know who he was or whatnot. And then when he would send a copy over to Brian, he, it would alter it to, uh, to the other name. So lots of crap. So we ha- had to reach out uh, personally to the people that we called them, the plank owners are going to buy our first 10 rifles. Uh, we told him the situation and it was up to them. We were still going to move forward with the rifles. Because let me let me clarify, Hoplite Arms is a real company. The rifles are absolutely real. I, I know where every single one of them is. I put my hands on every single one of them and tested them all. They're absolutely real, and the stuff behind it is absolutely real. So we gave the people the option. We said, look, we'll refund your money immediately. Uh, all of them decided to actually stay on board. Uh, we had some new information come to light, plus, you know, Mr. Uh, Theus Protoff there, he, uh, by way of a a smaller company, he, on paper, he still owns part of Hoplite Arms. And you can't just wave your wand and go bippity-boppity, I don't like you, you're gone. You have to take care of that the right way. He has now disappeared, so we have to move through the courts. That's moving very well and should be taken uh, care of here shortly. And then there's criminal stuff, and that's a whole other thing afterwards. So, at this point, we... We still think we're good. Some, mother, some more things came to light, and we decided, uh, Brian and I, that the smart move, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen, how long it's going to take, it was to refund these people their money. Uh, even though Brian got scammed out of m- more money than some of us make in, in 10 years, uh, he he could have easily, um, or we, I guess, we could have easily shut the company down, bankrupt, and said, hey, we all got scammed. If When we get our money back, we'll give you your money back. We didn't go that route. Uh, Brian went down to his bank. He sent out probably fifty to to $100,000 worth of refunds or payments to, that was still outstanding to vendors. So we basically settled all accounts that we could to, to kind of get back down on a financial ground zero, per se. What we did, however, is we had talked to Frank. We talked to people that knew uh, some vendors and other media guys, podcast stuff that maybe have talked to him just to give him a heads up but we asked, we knew people were going to talk about it. That's just human nature. All we asked was for now, just keep it out of the public, uh, spotlight. Cause we need to figure out how, what, when where. you know, we're in a, we're in a limbo here. That's kind of crazy. You just found out you, the, the guy that was running your company and the, the face of your company was a total lie and a scam. That that's not something that you fix overnight. Um, you still there? Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, so that's not something you fix overnight. That takes time. Um, I am of the opinion. I. I. I'm a very straightforward uh, to a to a fault. I'm very blunt. I would have loved to have nothing else to go on and just say, "Here's what happened. This guy sucks," and and we're going to take care of it. However, it didn't make sense to do that. It made sense to kind of go a little bit dark. I mean, we did tell people we had stuff going on. We didn't ghost anyone. We just kind of went dark a little bit and we made sure everyone, no one made money. Plus the other thing we need is we have no idea what this person committed Hoplite Arms to that we don't know about. So we also needed to set things on the shelf for a few months for anyone to come forward. You know, because if you if you shut things down and there were bills, all of a sudden people start calling you to let you know and there may be something we didn't know about we need to address. So that, that was part of the plan. As well as uh, we want to, we absolutely wanted to um, salvage the Hoplite name. It's a cool name; it just sounds cool. Hoplite Arms, right? Um, The uh, the website costs a good amount of money. The marketing, there's a lot of money involved, so we wanted to um, salvage that and move forward. As it's a good company, it's a good product. Everything's there. Well, uh, that's uh, that all uh, went over the course of a a couple months. Uh, and, uh, I guess, you know, some scuttlebutt went around, people talk, you know, the telephone game. And apparently we were not, uh, right or wrong. We were not, uh, people felt that w- we weren't coming out and talking about it in a time, in a timeline they felt, I'm going to emphasize that they felt was, uh, correct. And I'm going to also emphasize that the, most of these people had no monies invested, no nothing. So it was no skin off their back, but they felt we should have been like yelling from the rooftops the from the minute about the scamming thing. Uh, so over the weekend, somebody made a post. I don't fault him personally. I have talked to him and we're, we're on good terms. He I understand where he was coming from. And I also found out some things that uh, Mr. Theus had done or made arrangements we didn't know about. So I understand exactly where he came from. Uh, but nonetheless, he put it out there, scam, stay away, scam. So we had to, you know, it's out there now. So we just have to, Right, wrong, or in between, we have to tackle that. Um, so we started telling people, and I've got some talking points here because I don't. There's there's some info you just can't talk about until the legal stuff is over, uh, and then there's some stuff that honestly, just to be perfectly honest, is inside company information, and the only people's business is the people that have money or or an interest in it or something like that. That's just how it goes. Sometimes you don't get to know everything about a company that you're not involved with, uh, and I hate that. Sounds really rough, but that's just the way it is. We, we live in an information age on social media and everybody feels like they're they're owed some information. And I understand that. So what's happened now? Uh, we have some stuff. So just to clarify, anybody that uh, that's listening that uh, knows the name C.S. Protoff, that person is a scammer and uh, I don't want to say innocent until proven guilty, so a potential uh, criminal. Uh, so if you have had any dealings with them, Uh, You can reach out to us uh, uh, on the hide. uh, You can find us in the hoplite. Just look up the hoplite arms thread and you'll be able to find some screen names to get in touch with. You can always, uh, uh, I don't mind if you email the ROAP, but just email uh, Jacob with uh, your name and contact info. And then I'll call you. No need to to go into detail because it's just going to get, we're going to have to talk about it anyway. So I don't mind if people contact through us here. I'll be back in touch. Uh, But if you have had any or are still dealing with this person, stop. And uh, reach out to us or, or take the appropriate action. Also, if anybody's listening and you made some sort of arrangement in writing or not with this person, on behalf of Hoplite Arms, reach out to us as well because it's a very, very real chance that we don't know. This guy would just basically tell everybody what they wanted to hear. And uh, his, basically he would run up the, the monthly costs and research and development and all that to make it much harder to notice some embezzlement of uh, substantial money. That's a lot of talk for that, but uh, so I'm just going to go over because people are going to have some questions and I'm going to go over some talking points that we have. So Hoplite, it's a real company. It's a real rifle, everything. I'm, I'm actually sitting here in my hand right now. I'm twiddling a, a stainless steel 3D printed cartridge at pe- uh, case that they saw at the Precision Rifle Expo. It's absolutely real. Um, so don't let that discourage you. Uh, the research development. Yes, that was all real. Brian paid for all that. Uh, there's about 25 or so actions right now that uh, we're sitting on that we may be ready to sell sometime soon um the the shit hit the fan per so to say around november before that we didn't have ha- we had some ideas something was wrong but we didn't realize it was that wrong uh it's not his real name uh theas protough uh if you really need some info uh, on him personally because you think you may have some dealings get in touch with us we'll talk about it privately um, yeah, his knowledge in farms in general that was pretty much googled he, he, in person he couldn't come up with a lot of the info off the top of his head but on online that's another downside of this society we live in online you can be whoever you want uh most everything he told everybody about his life and all that uh, mostly a lie won't go into that that's a private conversation as well uh he never had any funds or funding it that was all Brian Fenimore that no one uh, really knew about until now uh Everything we're caught up on everything bills that we know of. Um, uh, again, if there's any any unpaid invoices, we're going to try to catch up on uh, the timeline going forward because people are going to want to know. We're waiting on the conclusion of the civil litigation. You know, sometimes late spring, something like that. The criminal, we can't really go into. That's a that's a whole other uh, deal there, but it do, and it doesn't really affect uh, Hoplite's business going forward. Uh, and I will say, I'd like to tell everyone if. If you didn't hear something from myself, David Thomas, or Brian Fenimore, uh, take it with a grain of salt. And, uh, and if, and if done sound right, give us a call, you know, we understand that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. you get all uh, how could you, how could you let this happen? Or how could you see that? Well, pro scammers, that that's the reason they, they are pro scammers for 20 years. they they know how to, to do this. Uh, and I would like to point out again, uh, And I'm not patting ourselves on the back. I'm just laying it out. Uh, We could have easily folded this thing up, and then uh, you know, ten guys would be you know screwed out of seven thousand apiece. Some other people that we owed money to would have been screwed. We did not take that route because we wanted to make sure no one except for Brian and myself took any of the financial hit or burden of this. Um, You know, some it might have wasted some people's time, but we want to make sure that everyone was made whole, and we did uh so keep that in mind <laughs> we're uh, we're not uh, it, it, some people have made accusations that we're covering up stuff from him and frank uh, get that no that's we're just trying to make sure that our civil case and other things are not compromised and uh so i just want to just keep in mind that no one except for uh, us on the hoplite side were ever lost a dime uh, in the long run so please just keep that in mind and that uh, we you know before you go out and maybe give Brian some shit or something that he, he really went above and beyond. And he made sure, I mean, he literally was in the bank two days later sending out certified checks for uh, more money than I make in a year. Uh, and then at the same time, we're, we're not going to let this, people thought maybe it was, uh, we're just forgetting about it. We're not. Uh, Brian is very dedicated to to making sure this is there because this fortunately Brian, it didn't hurt him. I mean, it hurt, but nothing that's going to, he's not going to be, out of, out of food in the house tomorrow. However, this could have easily been someone's 401k that they cashed out or quit their job. This could have really ruined somebody's life. So we are going to make sure that that does not happen, uh, via criminal, uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, I will have more info and all that stuff soon, but that's really the gist of it. And I just ask that everyone, please just give us time. If you have an issue with anything, get us, get in touch privately. We don't need to, to start a forum, um, arguments or or flame threads or anything like that we will uh i will call you immediately or when i have the time and we'll talk about it um that's that's pretty much the gist of it it was a a company is real but we had a a, a scammer in in the midst and we're taking care of it all right well, like i said that's a lot well, but um any questions <coughs> on your end you think people might be wondering?
0: Not really. I mean, you can't, there's only so much you can get into right now. You're just yeah. trying to, you know, make sure that, but however, it, it, if that is, you know, the case and anything comes up, uh, you can send any questions that you have out there to ROAP at riflesonly.com and I'll forward it over to David directly um, without even opening it or reading it. Excellent. So um, I'll make sure that you, that you get that, um, get that done.
1: Uh, yeah. And on the bright side, uh, I think we're going to go on David Baker's just and send it sometime this week, Brian and I um okay good we're gonna talk about it a little bit basically we just talked about but we are uh we'll be making a statement or a release on the hide we'll talk about all his stuff so we have a while we're working through the hoplite deal we are opening a sister company or something uh where it's called uh, fenix f-e-n-i-k-s uh i'll uh, we'll get into what, why it's named that on another date it's kind of an inside thing fenix technology it's based around uh ammo uh whether loaded or not uh, brass processing uh, Where we've got a few things in the pipeline with uh, you know having our own sizing dies, uh, seating stuff, uh, you know a little product line that we're working on. Uh, some of it okay. may just be some some of it may be products you're familiar with and uh, you know OEM'd or or something according to that, and then some will be original products. We've got some cool stuff. We'll also be retailing okay. some stuff, and uh, if you custom load development, a lot of that. So we'll be making an announcement uh, on the hide about that this week. Uh, I'll have Brian. Uh, We'll see if I get him on here as well, but uh, we'll, we'll be with David Baker because uh, okay. uh, David David's podcast is a little bit more geared towards uh, shenanigans and talking about things. Yeah. So we can uh, we mm-hmm. we might get into some rants or something over there. But uh, so yeah, it's going it's going well. We're I think we're still fine with Hoplite, and we have a new company that's going to I believe have some very good uh, options for shooters out there. Whether it's loading your ammo, helping you load your ammo we want to make it to where it's uh, from the beginner. I don't want to just cater to the high-end reloader. I also don't want to cater to the very beginner. Uh, we're going to have some training available, uh, different things like that for loading ammo. And uh, we can take you, we'll be there right alongside you for your your journey in the loading. Uh, if you don't know, we'll, we'll walk you through it. We'll get you set up with uh, as um, economical package as you want, all the way up to as expensive as you want. Uh, I Actually, we just got a Mark Seven uh, Apex uh uh, press with an auto drive. Uh, that's that's going to be pretty interesting coming up. Uh, so yeah. Um, I th- I think it'll work out real well. Uh, back to the uh, we want to take the loader from a bare basic all the way up to as advanced they want to go, or anywhere in between. Or if you're already an experienced loader but you don't like it or you don't have the time, we're going to be able to offer some things. Maybe we do your entire ammo. Maybe we do certain point parts. Maybe we send you out ammo. Almost ready to go, but you might need to tweak some things on the seating depth. So we're going to have a lot of cool options uh, coming up, and I I think a lot of people will enjoy it. And then once Hoplite is ready to go, then that will uh, be back up and running either as a part of this company uh, under the Hoplite name or possibly its own company, Hoplite. Uh, So, yeah, we've got another company that's releasing this week, and I think people are going to like it.
0: All right. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, like I said, if uh, questions on this or questions on anything else that uh, anybody's listening out there has, uh, ROAP at riflesonly.com. So that's Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. That's uh, the letters on it. So you can't forget that one. Um, also, want to remind everybody third weekend in February, the brawl. So we'll have a little train up before that from Monday through Wednesday. Uh, Thursday's uh, range cleanup and preparation. And then Friday and Saturday is the match. It's going to be a good one. We got. We got the old Ring Chaucer crew back, the ones that couldn't make it last year because of Icepocalypse, and uh, oh, yeah. the sponsor okay. list. I put out some of the sponsors on the on the last podcast. I don't have that list in front of me right now because I'm, I'm remote today. <clears throat> but I wanted to remind everybody about that. Um, again, if y'all want to come in and do this match, uh, get signed up. That way we can uh, make sure we have your T-shirt size and plenty of brisket for you to eat.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'll throw out there as well. I'm going to be there shooting, unless something comes up and they need to meet RO, but I think I talked to Lisa and, and whatnot. I think I'll be shooting. Uh, the way yep. uh, Jacob usually you're doing the open squatting again, like normal.
0: I am. I am. Dude, this yes, is sir. awesome
1: guys. Open squatting is the best thing ever. You just, he turns you loose and you just go shoot the match in any order you need or whatever. It's, I, I, I don't know how this isn't a thing everywhere. I love it. Um, yeah, it's great. But, but the, the thing I was getting at is I will be there. I'll be shooting it. If there's anyone wants to hang out, chat, whether about anything uh, or if you are a new shooter there, or there's several new ones, uh, and if you need some help, just stick with because we can we can go wherever we want. We don't have to be squatted up. If there's some guys that even if you're in a a seasoned shooter, uh, come on out. I'll, I'll help you out as much as I can. We'll see what you got. Uh, obviously, I can't uh, if you're a top, you know got a chance to, to, to win in or something here. You know I can't just be helping you on the clock and all that stuff. But I, I don't think Jacob will have an issue uh, with a newer shooter tagging and follow me around and, and we'll we'll get them straight.
0: I have issue if you don't.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's what I mean. So I, I mean, I'll, yeah, come on, find me. Um, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through every stage. I'll shoot the stage before you and you can watch it. Uh, anything you want. We'll we'll come on out. I don't care if I got 10 people following me around. We'll do it. Very
0: cool. Very cool. Well, I've been starting to get into the, the podcasting a little bit more and I've been listening to them and So like, I'm very, very late to the game, mm-hmm. but I just found the Joe Rogan podcast.
1: Oh yeah. It's great.
0: And, uh, I listened to Ted Nugent on there
1: today, oh, earlier
0: while I was working. And, uh, anyway, the thing about it is I was going to ask the guys, send me a, send me an email. If there's any of those Joe Rogan podcasts that stuck out in your brain, let me know what episode number it is. Cause there's like 1800 of them and I can't, oh, yeah. I can't scroll through all of them. So if there's anything good in there, you know, Sasquatch, UFOs, any of that stuff that y'all have listened to that stuck out in your head, let me know. Cause I want to, re- I want to listen to it
1: yep uh, last thing i got is uh i just want to thank frank galley over at snipers hide uh, he knew about this debacle uh since about november december he's been amazing he's helped us out uh, keeps everything there uh and and really supports us in that uh and so i can't thank frank enough he's, he's helped us really kind of get through this uh, initial hump and uh yeah that's so all i can say is uh, thanks his, his website's uh absolutely necessary for our business and other businesses. And, and and he really looks out for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing we had that, we had that one episode that we couldn't, we couldn't air uh, for some reasons. And we, uh, we spent a lot of time giving, giving Frank props on that one Um, more than we're allowed to do here time wise. But, but yeah, uh, I've known him a long time. We go way back and uh, he's just, he's, he's been really, really good for the community.
1: Oh yeah. And hopefully we'll, we'll revisit that very soon.
0: All right. Very cool. I need to wrap this up. All right. All right, guys. Thank y'all for listening again. If you have uh, questions, comments, concerns, R O A P at rifles uh, any topic, uh, stuff that David was covering today or any of the stuff that we've covered in any of our podcasts or something that you've heard on other podcasts or anything else. Um, don't, don't drive yourself crazy about, uh, you know, having to do all that cleaning shit that David was talking about? Yeah, lol. Uh,
1: like I said, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how I do it, guys. Don't, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't hurt me. I'm gonna get. Don't, don't,
0: uh, yeah, don't, don't, yeah, I, don't and hurt and me. Thanks for that. Thanks for the question coming in too. You know, oh, yeah, it's a, awesome. it was a good thing question. to kind of dive into. It was, it was a great question uh, from a, a really, really outstanding, splendid gentleman, and uh, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate the question, but I appreciate that he takes the time to to listen to our podcast. So, oh, and sure. all of you, I, I appreciate all of you listening to it because. We have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, we're going to, over the next month or so, we're going to be uh, changing up the format of the mm-hmm. podcast a little bit. We'll get into that on the next one. Uh, try to make it a little bit more convenient for you guys, a little bit more content in mm-hmm. smaller doses, but we'll, we'll visit about that uh, on the next one. But at any rate, um, I will see you all next time, man. Come to the brawl. Let's have some fun. Don't forget, we got classes in Colorado, Texas, uh, Michigan, Minnesota. They're all up on the website. Uh, Center Fire and Rim Fire. Uh, if y'all want to come and visit us and do some shooting with us, uh, we would love to have you.
1: Yeah. All right, see you guys next Very time. Very cool. You're going
0: to you going to get some rock yeah. music, or you're yeah. going to just let that go.